it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, and this is episode number 499 for September 5th, 2017, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, we have returning guest, Joe Duganzik. I've got him back here because he has done something really cool on Smarter Home Life that I wanted him to tell you about. So, Joe, you're becoming a regular on this show. Oh, well, I really appreciate it, Allison. It's, it's great to be back. Well, that's cool. So um, the reason I wanted to have Joe on is he has created a thing called what? Is, what is the name of this thing you created? Is oh, your the official? I'm looking at it right now. The HomeKit compatible smart home products guide. <laughs> well, I like your banner on the on SmarterHomeLife.com where it says new illustrated HomeKit product guide. There we go. That's the official. The marketing title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the marketing title better. So what what I think you've done here, uh, for me anyway, is pulled everything together that's HomeKit compatible into one very comprehensive list in a way, organized in a way, not by vendor, but by what problem you want to solve. Is that, is that a good description of it? That really is. It's by, by the category, by kind of what makes sense. I like that. And uh, did you, when you set this up, did you look towards what was the things people are most likely to want to do and put that at the top and then the screwy, crazy ideas at the end? Or how did you decide to organize this? That's kind of the way it is. And you have to think about that home automation largely, you know, when home automation kind of came about, you know, decades ago, um, a lot of it was about lighting. So lighting is still the easiest way to sell home automation because it's <laughs> easy you know hey i can control my lights from anywhere and now we have multi-colored lights light off that's exactly right we started with the clapper and now we continue with you know zigbee and all this home kit stuff um so lighting is is pretty much the easiest you know you buy a starter kit starter kit or you buy a home kit um smart bulb you screw it in and you control it with your iphone on home kit and you're done so the the way it's laid out by category is really by the some of the most popular things, but also the categories that do make sense um, in terms of usability, smart outlets and smart you know dimmers, and then then we move into the other popular categories because the categories in the home automation world that really are still the popular, like the three of them, really is lighting in general. If it's smart lighting or you know little plug-in dimmers. You've got um, control of your thermostat, which is an easy one to sell because there is definitely an energy saving. So you'll make your money back with that with your investment. And then the rest of it is really security um, in terms of the top three. And that's smart locks and security cameras and security systems and little door sensors and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Okay. So those those big categories. Let, let's back up a little bit. If If somebody sure. wants to get started with HomeKit, what is the minimum thing they have to have? What do you need in order to make HomeKit go? Well, you have to have iOS 10 or, or later, soon to be iOS 11. You've got to have an iOS device, uh, an iPhone, an iPod Touch, or uh, an iPad. And then you need any kind of home uh, HomeKit accessory. And that really uh, it does run the gamut these days. And there are HomeKit accessories like uh, door locks that are Bluetooth and that you don't need anything else. You don't need a hub. You don't need even Wi-Fi to control them, uh, although Wi-Fi is helpful for so some of the let me, let me stop you there. I sure. thought that you needed to have either an iPad or uh, an Apple TV that was on your network in order to, to actually do HomeKit. Nope. You need those if you want to have the automations run and be able to access those devices from outside your home. Okay, well, think about, that, yeah. that, that's kind of what we mean, right? It, it's true, but for people who, they're, they're, and I, I have such an amazing audience and such an, a diverse audience on Smarter Home Life, the website and social media and, and YouTube, 
who constantly remind me that there are people with a wide variety of needs. Some people who are really advanced like I am, some people who are in the middle, and some people who just say, I just want a smart light, or I just want a smart door lock, or I just want something simple. I don't want to buy all this extra stuff and, and keep it simple. So if you Okay. Okay. You so maybe want, you just want to turn your lights on with, with your phone when you're in the house. That's right. You, then don't, you don't need, need to need, access okay. it somewhere else. That's right. Okay. But, but it, so but the distinction can, is you do need uh, an iPad or a an Apple TV in order to control it from outside the house. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And and for um, for the automations that you might set up to say, you know, turn the lights on at sunset or something like that, for that to run while you're not home with your iPhone or your, you know, device, those automations will actually be stored on one of those devices like you mentioned, uh, an oh, iPad, okay. the Apple TV. It'll put those in, in, in those devices and they'll run when you're not there. And that'll be the same thing with the upcoming HomePod, which comes out in December, we're hoping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there might be another option. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you when you built this um, product guide for all of the different HomeKit compatible devices, you had to look at uh, there were other factors to, that you needed to define for every one of these. So you built a sort of like a, a key, if you will, a magic decoder ring at the top. Can you walk us through what those pieces are and why you needed to do that? Absolutely. One of the other things that I've gained from a lot of feedback uh, from all of my audience was that, number one, even though a lot of a lot of traffic comes into smarter home life from uh, North America and, uh, you know, a couple of European countries. This stuff and people really want to know this information and they exist around the entire world. So the number one thing in building this guide was to make it international. Uh, and that Wait, there's people deal- outside the United States? What? Well, huh. uh, the, Who knew? The earth is, uh, the earth is round. <laughs> um, so... That deals with not only um, voltage for things like plug-in devices, but also just localized versions of things in terms of there are different standards for thermostats and for control of uh, heating systems and so forth in Europe and in other parts of the world than from North America. And so I wanted to make those designations. Um, so that's number one in terms of uh, you'll see that uh, on the, the kind of the 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 uh, the key as you said or the legend you know there's a number in terms of 120 versus 240 but you'll also notice within each little product description there are dedicated international links to the international versions of those products oh wow um, wow you so not only the voltage so if it says 120 that means it works in the U.S. and 240 it's in countries that require 240. That's generally right. Although there are foreign countries, um, specifically a couple of Asian countries. Don't quote me on it because I, I don't I don't have everything memorized. There are more countries than just the U.S. that rely on the 120 volt standard. Um, okay. But a large portion of the world runs on 240. OK. Um, the other part was I wanted to designate because a lot of people think, um, do I need as soon as they think smart home, they think, do I need to buy a hub or a bridge? So that's a big thing as well. Um, so I wanted to designate that. So that's part of the key. Some people really, the more techie people want to know about Bluetooth versus Wi-Fi versus how these things communicate. So there's a B for Bluetooth. And then the other part was largely, and we're going to see this trend continue over the next few months and, and year or so, as more and more of these devices, HomeKit and otherwise, become compatible with other systems. So for the devices that work with Lady A, in addition to HomeKit, and they also work with Google Assistant, with IFTTT, and things like SmartThings, those designations are also in 
every product listing as far as, you know, is it HomeKit, but it, does it also work with these other things? Because that's helpful to people who want to have kind of a, a wide variety of, uh, of uses for their, uh, or ways to use their smart home devices. So wait a minute, you not only talk to people outside of the country, you talk to non-Apple people? Is that is I know I could be breaking the uh, the laws here of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah, really. So when you say Lady A, you're talking about the Amazon Echo, and I know what the Google Assistant is. Now, uh, right. IFTTT for people who are unfamiliar with that. That's if this then that, which is a web service that allows you to set up rules to allow certain things to happen. So from what I understand, I haven't actually done it myself. You can say things like, if my thermostat tells you that it's above eighty degrees, then turn on my ceiling fan. That's right. So it's and, a way of letting them talk to each other through the Internet. That's right. And IFTTT also supports um, a number of services. Like you can do interesting things. Like if, if, if you get an email uh, in from a certain uh, person, you could have it flash your lights a certain color. It, <laughs> communica- it's, it works with a lot of different um, services. You, could, you can do wacky things. Like if, you, if your thermostat goes above a certain temperature, you could have it post to Facebook for you. Just weird stuff like that. It allows you to kind of cross-connect different things that ordinarily wouldn't work with each other. Okay. Okay. So that's that's good to know. All right. And then the last of these things. So we've got the Lady A, Google Assistants, IFTTT, and then Smart Things. What is Smart Things? Smart Things is a uh, smart home hub system. It was originally crowdfunded a couple of years ago, then bought by Samsung. Uh, it supports a wide variety of different uh, systems because it it has a a couple of different 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 radios uh, in it where it talks to Zigbee and Bluetooth and Z-Wave. And it's very popular among a lot of, um, along, among a, a wide variety of people who want to get into the smart home. It offers, like I said, the big product selection. And it's good for both beginners and it can support like custom code for the more advanced people. So I thought, you know, it's, it's a good idea to have this also be, um, be in there. I could have added additional keys and letters for three or four or five more devices, but eventually it gets to be, you got to just, you know, kind of work on what's popular. Yeah, I think that's enough. It confused me for a little while, so I'm glad you uh, walked us through your magic decodering. All right, let's, uh, I wanted to walk through each of these big categories and, and kind of maybe pick and choose. Maybe we talk about all of them. I don't know if you've got three hours because he's got a lot of information on here. But uh, maybe we could go through and you can talk about some of these that we might not have heard of. Um, the first category you have is smart lighting. And yep. everybody's heard of the the Hue light bulbs, I, I imagine, by now because of the ones people always say, oh, like Hue. Um, right. But but talk to through your legend. Like, what does it say? What do you have about the Philips Hue light system? Uh, Philips Hue specifically because Philips is Philips is a company that, that that is in more than just lighting and they've been around for a long time. They really know how to make these products um, really work well across different locales and so forth. So you'll you'll see in in the legend there and in, in what they work with. It's they're global products. They have specialized products for all the different voltages, even the different type of light sockets. It works with practically every home automation system out there, including, of course, HomeKit. Um, it does still require a hub, though, huh? It does require a hub, and that's because the Hue system is based on Zigbee. Zigbee mm. is a dedicated radio system for home automation. It doesn't do anything else uh and it's really rock solid reliable um it doesn't get interference if your your lights your lights you can still control them if your internet goes down it's not reliant on your internet at all it's it's really among all of the different lighting 
uh, technologies that I've really worked with over the past couple of years for smart lighting specifically. Philips Hue, I just never have a problem with it. It's always there. It's always ready to respond. And it's they have also among the various companies who do make smart lighting, they have the widest assortment of products from light strips to light bulbs to battery operated. I have a, famously, I have a, a Hue Go light. It's a battery operated light because I couldn't get power to my cabinets and I wanted some sort of under cabinet lighting. So I stuck a Hue Go light in my uh, stand mixer bowl. <laughs> so Hugo as in H-U-E-G-O? Correct. Hue, uh, two words, Hue Go. Oh, okay, that's um, adorable. <laughs> and so they have a wide wide variety of products, um, and you can see uh, I've got links also on this page because it's impossible for me um, at, at the current evolution of Smarter Home Life to review every single product that's out there. So I have a number of products that I've reviewed um, both on the website and on YouTube, and there are links to those as well. They're embedded oh, okay. into this page. Where, I, I, that's new. Where I don't remember seeing that before. Did you just add that? Nope. It's the, when this launched, this, this went up live late August. This was also the entire concept of this guide to, um, to home kit, which will be replicated to a dedicated guide to lady a products that are compatible with Amazon echo and also for Google assistant. And they will also be cross-referenced to home kit. So there'll be three total guides that'll come out. This was a complete redo of a guide that I started, uh, last November, and decided that it was necessary to just completely destroy the old one and to start over fresh. Uh, and I'm actually really pleased with uh, the way this turned out. Oh, yeah, it's fabulous. Okay, so let's get into some of the, the lesser-known ones. Um, I may jump around a little bit here, but uh, sure. when we were in Portland to see the eclipse with G. McDonald, we went and saw Kelly Gumont, who has oh, a... Yeah. She has what's best called a a girl cave with a wet bar, and she's got all kinds of crazy Disney stuff going on. This great sound system, big TV, fantastic girl cave, and uh, and she said, "Oh, let's have some disco lights." And all of a sudden, everything in there lit up. I mean, she's got right. d- light strips on the bar. She's got uh, some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, like little like, creatures that had lights blinking in them. She's got overhead lights. Everything's changing color. It's all going to the music. When I saw the Nano Leaf Aurora on your website, yes. I thought this is something she absolutely needs. So, it, tell us about this one. Just the describe or- what it looks like for the for the listening audience too. The the Nano Leaf Aurora is a set of interlocking triangular panels. Um, I got to see them actually in person for the first time at CES, and oddly enough, as a as a big lighting guy, I still don't have these because I have kind of run out of space where to put stuff in my tiny home here. Um, so I believe the initial set that you get is a set of nine. And the beauty of it is they have these special connectors so that they can be connected edge to edge or you can you can make your own um, patterns uh, in terms of how it would look like if you just want a, an, an odd um, geometric pattern of all these things kind of uh, sitting next to each other, or if you want to actually have them even go up a wall and then cross over to a ceiling. There's so many ways that you can do this, and they're all color changing, and they have a, an animation system that's built into their app that you can you can set up and then you can recall with a HomeKit command um, you can customize an animation in terms of color and light and dimming across these panels. And you can start with the nine, which is part of the kit, and then you can add more. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's infinitely, it's just, it's way cool. And, and if I had a, a dedicated spot, um, I would 
get these in a heartbeat. I still might. Before, I only have a few months before I unfortunately have to move out of this place. Um, Maybe you should choose your next home based on where you can fit this nano leaf. I know. That's, it it looks like hard. a solar, um, like like solar, the, the solar like panels panel that are on right. satellites. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a very cool product. When this came out, uh, this was uh, twenty fifth. Uh, I don't think it was twenty fifteen. I think it was twenty sixteen. Initially, I thought, is someone actually going to make this? Is this really going to be a product? And and they did. And because it's too cool to actually exist. <laughs> right. And they just announced actually, um, they just announced a really cool. Um, it'll be out uh, sometime this fall. They had pre-announced it at CES, and they announced that these products would be available. Um, they've got a dedicated, um, a kind of a cool remote for the Nano Leaf, which is a um, again. Um, Nanoleaf as a company makes all kinds of interesting products. Their traditional LED bulbs are all 3D printed and they're all kind of like multi-sided like they're all just geometric products. They're all just really really cool. So their oh, wow. remote is a geometric um multi-sided device. If it was like if it was a small the closest thing would be is the size of like mm, like not a baseball, but perhaps a, like a softball. But instead of being round, it's just got geometric sides. And evidently, you can control your lights by just turning it around and putting it on a on a different side oh, on like wow. a table. And they have a new um, music sync device that will automatically take the ambient noise noise or music um, or whatever's going on in a room and automatically create a light show from it uh, without any programming. So that's that's pretty darn cool. They're just, they're a really cool company that's just coming up with some really cool stuff and um, definitely take a look at it. Yeah, that that looks so fun. Let me see how much it, it costs. Let's see. Ooh, 228 bucks on uh, on Amazon. But hours of fun. Hours of fun. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of people kind of sometimes bristle at the high prices of some of these products, especially the smart home products. Some of it is because these companies are a lot of times startups and they're having to, to you know, kind of fund their operation through it. But realistically, when you buy one of these smart home products, even look at the Philips Hue line, um, which Philips announced some updates that will be coming this fall, um, for existing products that will give them additional HomeKit functionality. You're buying a product and kind of paying upfront for all of the updates that you'll get for free for the next couple of years, and it continues to fund all those engineers and staffers and so forth. So um, they might be a little pricey, but they're going to last, um, and they're going to give you some really great um, functionality and a lot of fun over the next couple of years of their life. Yeah, um, I hate to be negative, but one of my three Philips Hue light bulbs is now a stupid light bulb, as we've talked about before. So, uh, uh, you know, one third of my investment is just a light bulb now, which isn't exactly what I was hoping for. I have not no. been able to wake it back up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They're they're not going to be supported necessarily for the life. Oh, and I had to buy a new hub because oh. the first Hue, uh, Philips Hue system did not support HomeKit. That's correct. So I've also spent extra money on it. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if you can talk me into any of these um, as being really worth the money. We'll see. But that <laughs> I'm sorry that that Nano Leaf uh, geometric LED panels that thing is that thing is oh, banging. Yeah. That is that oh, is yeah. adorable. And in person, it's it's beautiful. It's just amazing. It's like we're living in the future. <laughs> I've been uh, so I just went over and looked at the Ivy Smarter Kit, the uh, which is yeah. the other one you were talking about. It is very weird to see light bulbs that have flat sides on them. They're black yeah. and they have flat sides with with LEDs on the on the flat sides. 
and they have some traditional LED lamps as well that are that are not smart. They just they have them in multiple varieties and in, in a beautiful glass geometric. They just it's just just go browse the Nanoleaf website oh, nanoleaf.me. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Okay, that does look pretty fun. I might have to go check that out. Okay, uh, what else in here? We've got uh, the Sylvania Smart Plus bulbs. Is that anything interesting? That's coming. Uh, that's been rumored, not rumored, but they announced this um, back in December, late December. Oh, I don't want to talk CES. about rumor ones. Let's talk it's, about it's real like, stuff. <laughs> it's it's not a rumor. It's actually shipping within the next week. So yeah, we'll see. It was, yeah, well, according to Amazon, it'll be released on September 10th. But it it would be the first, um, not the very first, but um, a bulb that actually looks like a traditional regular light bulb doesn't require a hub or a bridge and works directly with HomeKit and it's got all the fun color changing uh, features. So huh. okay, yeah. well that, that might be interesting. We'll we'll yep. talk about that when it's real. How about exactly. this Kugeek K O O G E K smart the bulb? The Kugeek uh, smart bulb is interesting. I just reviewed it um, about two weeks ago. It's an interesting looking bulb. It's it's not a traditional shaped uh, light bulb, but it's it's kind of looks like it might be like what you would think as a, a candelabra bulb, but it's a little more fat. Um, than skinny. Um, it fits in traditional uh, light sockets. It's really only for the U.S. I, I believe there may be an international version, but sometimes you can't get the exact information that you need. So they say there's a 240-volt version available. I have a link to it, um, and uh, it's, it's possible that it's a real thing. So if, if anyone's listening over in the U.K. and they actually get one of these and it actually works, uh, please let me know. Um, so what's, what's interesting about it? Uh, what, the, what makes it different? What makes it different is it does not require a hub. And that this has been a big um, – because Philips Hue um, has largely been the only HomeKit smart lighting um, product available, but you always had to buy it in a starter kit because of the hub, having right. these bulbs that don't require a hub that you can buy a la carte and try them out – has been a big request. So we're finally starting to see this. And it just means that all of the electronics, all of the Wi-Fi, all that stuff is packed into the bulb. And uh, and you don't, and they, they don't communicate via Zigbee. It is done over uh, Wi-Fi and okay. IP. But it gives you the same type of, um, the same type of features in terms of different tunable whites from warm white to cool white, dimming, and all the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, it said, what does it say? 16,000 colors or something? 16,000. I mean, there's... There have been the scientific studies as to how many colors that the eye can truly actually see, but <laughs> everyone, everyone sees color differently. Uh, everyone experiences the world differently. So what may be blue or red exactly to you or me it might be a little bit different for someone else. There you go. Uh, and this one is only HomeKit. The, uh, the, the Hue and the Nanoleaf, and, uh, those were both, uh, they did Amazon and Google and IFTTT. Yep. That's correct. Yeah, and yeah. This, the upcoming Sylvania bulb right now, at least, is HomeKit only. But those things, because all of this can be software updated, those things can change in the future. And we have seen that happen. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's let's move on from the smart light bulbs. Uh, oh, I did one, one more thing on the KuGeek smart bulb. That's 40 bucks. So for 40 bucks, you can come in and play. That's, that's right. That's a pretty good price point for the, the early spot, right? It is. It is. All right, cool. So let's move on. I've been looking at smart outlets and I keep almost buying one <laughs> and, then I, and then I stop. And I got to tell you, it's like you said, it's usually the, the price that stops me. But uh, right. you've got one. Oh, holy cow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, oh, 
man, like 15 or 20 of them in here. Maybe right. we can narrow down. Where should, what should we focus on in this giant list of smart sockets and outlets and plug-in modules? And there are a wide variety of these. Some of them are, um, are for other countries alone, uh, just for the voltage and for the physical, um, the actual plugs. These are really great products. And a lot of people initially think, you know, why do I need one of these things? Well, once you get one, you'll probably, and you start using it, you'll think, well, why did I not have it? Um, we're, we're coming up into the holiday season. Uh, the old way of doing holiday lights, of course, was through those physical timers that you had to like change those little plastic doohickeys on them and and mm-hmm. hope that it would you know stay working nowadays you can you can do that through home automation through just you know a smart plug and they have them for both outside that are you know rain tight and water uh weather resistant and of course for the inside and then linking that with HomeKit um and doing the scheduling even for like say sunset and sunrise or a dedicated schedule you can do that but for you can do it for other things too like um as i showed off a lot of um how my home works in the uh, my uh, tiny smart home uh, tour video a couple of months ago. I have it on things like my TV and my coffee maker and my security camera. And I'll give you examples of that, why you would want, want, want one of these. For a lot of people worry about security cameras inside because they don't want their entire life being potentially recorded. So I have mine set to where as long as I'm home, and I'm not asleep, like I haven't pressed my good night button. The security can't the power to the security camera is off. There is no way for it to be broadcasting oh. anything. Oh, and as soon as and through an automation that runs a bunch of other things, when I leave when I leave home, the power comes on and that security camera then boots up and you know does all of its things and does the you know motion sensing and whatnot. And the same thing it boots up when I'm asleep. So if somehow someone comes in and decides to rob me or something like that um, at night, even if I'm asleep and the security camera has uh, night vision, it's turned on. And as soon as my wake up routine happens, that security ca- security camera turns off. So that's ah, one so it's way. never spying on you. That's right. And I have it. Um, my um, my coffee maker and toaster happen to be in a spot that they're plugged into an outlet, but that ac- outlet isn't really accessible. And it's kind of like that old thing they say, you know, never leave the toaster plugged in. So there's a smart outlet on that, and I can control that through home automation. And it actually, through a special automation, it brings it on automatically for 30 minutes and then shuts the power off. So those are a couple of examples of how I use it. Um, some of the more popular, um, devices from this list for HomeKit, some of the original ones come from a company called iDevices. They're a startup that started up a number of years ago. They've got some beautifully designed, um, products that initially only worked with HomeKit and now work with the Amazon Echo, um, ecosystem or ecosystem and (laughs) and, and Lady A. And they now also work with Google Assistant. And that means that they'll probably be able to update those over time to work with other um, Internet-controlled smart home devices as well. And those have what I do with a lot of these um, product listings, because a lot of smart plugs obviously do one primary thing, that's, and that allows you to remotely turn them on and off. But there are, some of them have other features that differentiate them. Some have little night lights that you can change color. Um, that famously is a feature of the iDevices um, family of products. Um, some of them have energy monitoring built in, so you can tell um, over time how much energy um, a certain device is using. It used to be that you had to get those, um, what were they, the, the kilowatt devices that you would plug in to see how yeah. much um, 
that uh, something is taking. Now that feature is built into the some of these uh, smart plug devices, and so you can see that. The energy monitoring isn't a feature of HomeKit yet, so you can't see that in like the Apple's Home app itself. Maybe they'll add that one day. Generally, you have to go to the individual manufacturer's app and open it and take a look at, say, the energy monitoring. Um, I have reviewed, um, uh, I know, let's see, have I done one or more of these? Um, I've reviewed definitely the iDevices Switch, um, and I use it actually as part of my home automation. I haven't reviewed yet their other products, although I would like to this fall. Um, they've got a socket device, so that actually is a dimmer um, and an on-off device that uh, screws into existing light sockets, so you can take an existing light bulb and make it smart by just screwing this device in. I kind saw of between that. That's kind socket. of a tricky little thing. It's a nice, it's a nice device. I don't quite understand, though, is, is <laughs> do you have light bulbs you're really, you know, attracted to, you know, you really have an emotional connection to that you don't want to get rid of that you would some want to people, do this? Some people might. And it, it's an easy, I, I think what it is really, um, and these uh, sockets have actually existed even since the X10 days, you know, decades ago. And they, back then, there was no such thing as a smart bulb, but this was an easy way to um, do a retrofit installation. Because there are people who might say, you know what, I don't want to upgrade to some special fancy smart bulb. And one of these sockets might be a little bit less expensive and Do i don't want to rewire incandescent bulbs uh usually yes however many of these new smart sockets are really engineered more towards cfl and led sure um they will say specifically on the information you'll you'll look at the specifications of how much how much wattage it can control and okay. a lot of them will not control high wattage incandescence anymore i think the whole industry is trying to move everybody away from well, yeah and the laws and everything yeah yeah so let me um, let me back you up. You're you're go going you're going strong here. I keep missing questions. I was going to ask. Um, uh, I did notice. Uh, so the iDevices switch, uh, Wi-Fi smart plug, and that has the energy monitoring you talked about. Doesn't require hub, and that's down to thirty one bucks. I absolutely remember that being fifty the last time yes, I checked. That price just dropped. I would say about two weeks ago, and that was a big uh, announcement. So whether that's a permanent price drop or a temporary thing, I, I do hope it's a permanent thing. Um, this is something that we've seen. Over the past couple of years, even the Philips Hue, the individual bulbs now, um, if we <laughs> jumped back to lighting, they've actually been priced a little bit lower now. So I think we're starting to see that as these products mature, they don't have to be perhaps priced as high as they were when they were introduced. I just bought that with your uh, affiliate code in the link. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. All these links. <laughs> All these links uh, do support Smarter Home Life. and Yeah, I'll just change count. them all before they people see them to mine. No, I'm kidding. Uh, okay, I wouldn't do that. Thanks. thanks <laughs> thank, thank you for your lovely support, Allison. <laughs> Always there, right? You did all the work. Yeah, no, I've been wanting to get one of those. But, but let's talk about these smart sockets. So okay. uh, you plug it into the wall, and then you plug your thing into whatever that thing is. And you mentioned the coffee maker. And w we talked um, in one of our bizarre asynchronous conversations over the uh, Amazon Echo with right. these weird conversations where, like I said, asynchronous. Anyway, um, I said, well, could I get one of those and plug my air conditioner, which is a, a wall unit kind of air conditioner, into that? And then since that's smart and my Ecobee is smart, could I then tell my Ecobee that uh, to when the temperature gives or humidity gets above this certain level, I want you to turn on my air conditioner? And you said, no, because it probably has a soft switch. Well, let me. And let it me... does. Yeah. And so that's the uh, depending on the device, you know, it may work or it may not for a lot of the old fashioned air conditioners from, say, 
well, the era before soft soft switches. And explain what a soft switch is. A soft switch is generally something that's just, uh, if you think about it, the easiest way to describe it is like your microwave oven, all of those little buttons that you press for the clock and the time and and what your, you know, what mode you're, you're picking, um, they're not like physical on-off buttons or a physical mode button that would be on like your your uh, music player from the 1980s. I'm really <laughs> dating myself now. But, you know, it's not a physical switch that's always in a certain position. So if you have an air conditioner or something that you want to make smart that that is always on or always off, then sure, as soon as it gets power from that smart switch, um, then it can power up. But if it has a button that you have to like press it to turn it on or, you know, to change the temperature for it to go on, you're going to run into a problem. Now, as I say that, and I think I mentioned this to you, um, (laughs) didn't I? It's not a HomeKit device, but someone said, hey, this is a problem that needs to be solved. So there is a product called the, I believe it's the MicroBot push let me do some uh checking on amazon here um it is a device that pushes buttons for you (laughs) and i thought well there is you know necessity is the you know the mother of invention and um there is uh, nothing more uh sort of geeky okay that is the funniest thing i've ever seen it's fifty dollars and it's it's a button it pushes it's a button pusher okay if you like to push buttons this will push them okay. for you that's pretty funny and, but, uh, but wait so i i, I don't understand I'm, I'm really confused here you okay. have a coffee maker are you yes. telling me the way you turn your coffee maker on before you had smart stuff was you plugged and unplugged it uh no not necessarily um so but, I, I, but but here okay but but part of my life is you know, especially when I'm showing things off or having people over, I don't like cords being visible. I like everything to be really clean. So my coffee maker has a little cord storage in the back. So if I, if I can, I would just have it, you know, the cord not plugged into the wall and have everything be very, very clean and neat on the counter. Um, that's not always possible with life, but of course I try. So like I said, there is this kind of old fashioned thing and maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me. People would say, you know, don't, don't, don't keep certain appliances plugged in all the time. So I would just unplug them. Um, no, no, so no, no, now, but, but I'm back to how do you turn your oh, coffee maker, oh, on, coffee maker if, on? Your coffee maker certainly has a soft switch like mine. Nope, it does not. Now I, I will say I just use a traditional drip coffee maker that happens to have a physical on off button. So but, I can, but, can, so you turn it on and then but don't have power to it. And when power goes to it, that makes it go on. Correct. Ah, yes. so it's not necessarily soft switches. Those are, I think ours has a button that says, okay, start heating it up. Okay. Oh, but then later on it, you do have a soft switch for that. Do you have, yeah. a, do you have a Keurig? Yeah. Okay. A lot so, of the Keurigs have like that. Uh, a lot of the earlier, early ones just had like the go button, right? You would load the coffee pot into it and then load the water and then you would just hit, you know, start. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd need one of those microbots. In fact, the microbot, uh, the the Amazon link does show it with a Keurig. So I, I got to get me one of those. That's hilarious. It's pretty cool. I think you can configure it to both push and pull buttons uh, because you can mount it in different ways. <laughs> and I think it, it's a compatible. If you buy a special hub for it, it's compatible with other systems. And one day maybe they'll make it HomeKit compatible. But um, That is hilarious. For all your button pushing needs. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so let, let's talk about uh, within this now. Um, we haven't talked about smart dimmers, and here's a company, okay. Lutron, we haven't talked about. What, yep. it, it, wasn't it hard to do dimmers? Wasn't there some problem um, with that? 
No, here, well, and Lutron, Lutron invented dimming. They invented the actual technology of dimming oh. light bulbs. This was decades ago. They are the, I was actually reading an article um, that had been posted somewhere a few months ago. The, the father of dimming, it was the profile of the, the founder of Lutron, who I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have the, the name pulled up uh, right now. So Lutron is excellent because they've been in this business a very long time. And so they make dimmers and lighting control systems for residential, for commercial, for for everybody. And their products are compatible with a wide variety of lighting systems uh, or lighting types like compact fluorescent and incandescent and all the new LED stuff. So they're really compatible. They're also kind of like Philips Hue. They are really compatible with practically everything. If you look at the the kind of the legend, even though their Casita system, which does work with HomeKit, is really only for the 120 volt systems here in the U.S. Um, and it does work with the hub because they have their own radio technology um, called uh, Clear. I mean, if I say this right, I think it's Clear Connect, um, and it communicates from that hub out to all their little dimmer devices mm-hmm. and it's compatible with lady a and google assistant and smart things and all the different stuff um and i've tested the uh, they were actually one of the first home kit lighting products i think the first home kit lighting product that hit the market in the summer of 2015 and i reviewed it i think the day after it came out i ran to the apple store and and put up a review after i came home from work um it's really, really good. Um, a lot of the HomeKit uh, smart uh, dimmers are excellent. Uh, iDevices just finally launched theirs that has a um, an in-wall dimmer. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Leviton just came on the market. Uh, Leviton, another excellent company that uh, people probably think of when they just buy like light switches at Home Depot. Um, but they've been in the electrical game and, and the lighting control game for many, many years. They and, just and does launched- that have a hub? Uh, they do not. They are ah. um, completely hub free. Which, which one was that? That was Leviton. 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 In fact, I don't see it on here. Nope, it's there. It's on the right column uh, under Smart Wall Dimmers and Outlets mm-hmm. and Switches. Cuckoo Geek, Lutron, Opro, Parse Pure. They're alphabetical. Oh no, you're in the wrong it's category. Too- you're in the that's the next the next category. Oh, you've moved on. Well, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, I'm so, I'm sorry. No, I see, thought, I had I moved on because you, you had a to... dimmer up above in outlets. Oh, I did? I'm yeah. Sorry. Aha. Yeah, Lutron, oh, Casita. Okay, I, all right, my bad. I split that. I, I added this to two different categories. So okay. Lutron makes, because we have one category that's for like plug-in things and one category that's for like wall-mounted things. Okay, okay. So Lutron has um, this system, the Casita system. They make um, a variety of devices some that are plug-in and some that are for replacing your existing wall switches and wall dimmers. So, uh-huh. but the same thing goes for both varieties that they're it's very widely compatible um, in terms of all the different lighting and all the different home automation systems. Well, um, I like so, that you did separate those though. That that's good because uh, a lot of stuff I see. I look at these cute switches. I'm like, well, that's really fun. I really want to play with that. But I've got a wall switch. What do I do about that? There you go. There you go. The um, I was expecting them to, but they didn't. In terms of if I jump back to Leviton, which is under the smart uh, dimmers um, mm-hmm. for the wall dimmers, I was expecting that they were going to all. Also launch a plug-in dimmer, 
Um, they have plug-in smart dimmers for other home automation systems and technologies. They do not yet have one for HomeKit. Um, perhaps it will launch this fall. So their their products, which are no hub required, are um, for um, just for uh, dimming and switching uh, lighting. But that's just for the wall. Um, in fact, everything in these two categories, except for the Lutron products, are no hub required. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. I'm tired of hubs. I mean, every hub is a port on a switch and a, right. and a piece of junk in your house. <laughs> our our main guest room already has two Drobos and this giant router that I that I have my Netgear X8. It's like the si- half the size of a coffee table, and it's and I've got my uh, a giant uh, what do you call it? UPS sitting there, and it's I mean it's already the room's like. <laughs> all night long for the people who sleep in there and just add some more hubs oh and my my uh, hue hub is in there mm. yeah I, ha- I have a stack of them <laughs> it's yeah. easy to just go start collecting them but i, I do like imagine. the fact that I, I do like the fact that many manufacturers now have started introducing uh hub free devices and, and largely if you look at this list of home kit products um it is largely um a hub free list aside from a, a couple of them yeah, that's one of the reasons I love your little magic decoder ring is if you look for the letter H and just look at the ones that don't have that or the hub yep. the hub word yep. next to it. Now, three-way switches are annoying as all get out. Um, I've got one in the, the dining room where I have never in the 29, no, 26 years, 26 years I've lived in this house, I've never hit the, light, the right light switch first. Mm. So it would actually be worth the aggravation, even if I'm right in the room, to do it from my phone, probably, or from do, to ask Siri <laughs> right. to do it. Right. Turn the freaking lights on is what I want to say. So right. would an iDevices wall dimmer, they, you've got a three, four-way compatible adjustable dim range, would that solve my problem? Uh, sure, absolutely. Because then you can, you, can, you can have that control from your, from your phone, from, from anywhere. Uh, from HomeKit or from other systems, and you don't have to press the physical switch anymore. But you can if you if you would like to. So do you put one at each where each yes. outlet goes? So do you have to buy yes. two? You do have to buy two. Now, each brand, each company has a little bit different kind of a secret sauce on how they do this. Um, the iDevices is kind of the most, <laughs> they are sadly the most expensive. It's, $100 it's a, really, a piece? It's a nice product. And I talked to them um at CES, and and I asked a number of companies, like, why are some of these devices priced so high? Their answer was that it's a very high, uh, highly engineered product. It is one of the few, not the only one, but one of the few that does work in multi-way installations. They also feature, um, and some of these are not really HomeKit features, but they're built into the device with with products like LED lighting. Um, sometimes, depending on the bulb. Because all, because these manufacturers can't test all these dimmers with every possible bulb that's out there. Mm-hmm. Some some bulbs, um, specifically LED, if you get them down to a really low um, brightness, like five or ten percent, or wherever as low as they'll go, sometimes on the wrong dimmer or a different type of dimmer, you know, th- that they've been tested with, um, they might start flashing. They might start being a little bit, uh, I don't want to say flashing. They might start being a little bit flickery and the light is just not that great. So the iDevices has a range control so that you can set it to say this, you know, for, for your particular light that it's controlling, you can give it the exact range of this is the light looks really good 
at this range from say maybe 15% all the way up to 100%. It'll also guarantee that when you dim that light up from being off, it will do its best to try and fade it up nicely instead of like popping on. So that's a feature. I just want the darn light to come on, Joe. (laughs) I know, okay. Light on? Light on? Light off. That's all I want, Joe. I really, my knees are so small. I know you have a lot of uh, geeks that uh, in your in your audience and your listening audience who probably want to hear this information. So I feel it's oh, it's my my it duty to give you. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that one entirely. <laughs> uh, I'll play the fifth on that but, question. Two hundred dollars? Could I keep a dumb one at end at one end and a smart one at the other end, and then just do the fancy pants stuff at that end? Like I said, and without re- without re-reviewing this information, there, some of the companies, uh, specifically Lutron, will let you do that. Okay. Um, I believe with iDevices, according to their own information, each one has to be an iDevices dimmer. Um, Lutron is another option for you. It does include, you know, you have to buy the starter kit. But what they do is you only have to replace one of the uh, dimmers on one end of it. And what they do on the other side is you install a wireless dimmer, uh, not a wireless dimmer, but a wireless controller that's included in their um, in their kits. And it looks like it looks nearly identical to the actual physical dimmer. And this allows you to have multi-way installations. And they're kind of magnetic. They can even snap out of their little holder huh. in the wall. So you could just carry them around. They're called Pico remotes. And so um, they're, Wh- they're which doing, company was that? That was Lutron. This is, uh, Lutron, yeah. So uh-huh. they have an innovative system um, to do this, and uh, so it's a little bit differently, a uh, li- little bit different of how you configure. It's it's unfortunate that um, I mean diversity. But they require is great. a bridge. Is that they a? They do require a bridge. Is a bridge you know? a hub? The bridge. It, some people call these things bridges. Some people call them hubs. So <laughs> yeah, it's well. It's, but it's, for one hundred fifty nine dollars, I get I get the. Uh, Two Pico remotes, uh, the two smart dimmers, and another piece of electronics in my house. So that's that's saving money at least. That's that's right. So there okay. are, as we've come, I mean, HomeKit debuted as a technology in 2014. We're here three years later now. We finally have kind of the promise of what the the ecosystem can can do because practically every category is filled out now. In fact, I'm actually testing. I'm not testing, but a viewer offered because he just got the um, the new device that enables existing Chamberlain uh, MyQ garage door openers to work with HomeKit. He just got it because he was part of the very early uh, wave of shipments before they ran out of stock. And he's actually actively testing it. Um, and we're going to do a collaborative uh, video review. And that'll be out probably by sometime next week. Cool. I guess, and and that is something I should, I know I'm, I'm making fun of you and teasing you a lot here, but what's great is with a lot of these, they say uh, on, on Smarter Home Life in this uh, uh, page that we've been talking about, you can see it'll say our review. So for the Lutron Casita wall dimmers, it says our review. So we could go watch that video and, and see exactly what you're talking about with that. Yeah. Well, and cool. each, each one of these um, without... Uh, it was a tremendous effort to put this uh, guide together. So there's for obviously the links that, that go out to my review, you've got a lot more information. And for the rest of the products to differentiate it in terms of in each category, again, information is included in terms of some of these, um, uh, some of these uh, say the wall uh, outlets or wall dimmers 
for the smart plugs and so forth. Each of them has a little bit different feature. You know, again, energy monitoring. Uh, iDevices also makes a smart wall outlet, so you could actually make an existing installed outlet smart. It actually controls both outlets. Some of those things oh. only control one outlet, or they might control uh, both outlets simultaneously versus separate control. So there's some additional information in the guide, so you can tell without having to go to each link separately. You can tell at least what the the main differentiating features are. And I would list the prices, but it's actually um, against Amazon's uh, terms of service for their affiliate program. So you have to kind of jump. Oh, to really? Amazon. Ooh, I probably yeah, shouldn't you, be doing that. <laughs> you have to jump. You have to jump to Amazon to see the price because well, Amazon plus they uses, change all the time. They change all the time anyway. So it's, yeah, I would be updating it every day. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so let's jump down to the scary stuff. Let's talk about smart scary. smart lock security and cameras. Well, maybe start with cameras. That's not too scary, right? And there's only one of them. And I think you and I think you have it. Do you? Yes, not? I do. The, the D Link Omna one eighty camera. One eighty camera, which promises a really. And I think you and I kind of talked about this um, uh, through one of our phone calls or or our Lady A conversations. Um, One of its uh, interesting features is the fact that it has this really super wide viewing angle. And I think you can talk to this camera more than I can because you actually have it in your your home. Um, But it works with HomeKit and it gives you uh, some motion alerts and it's got night vision and it's it's a HomeKit security camera, the first one. Now, uh, I just opened it up and uh, got an interesting message. This is new. It says you can now view oh. your camera's live feed remotely, even if you don't have a home hub. So you used oh. to have to have HomeKit and do it through, you know, your Apple TV or iPad, like what right. we were talking about. But now it says you can do it through the Omna account. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, it's a, it's a Wi-Fi device, so that would actually make sense. They already have that connectivity going to it. So that could also mean that as time goes on, they may uh, open open the, that camera up to other home automation platforms too. But that's, 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 that's really great that they uh, now let you view it. Yeah. Now, okay. here's another thing that was – the one thing we didn't like was it records to an SD card that's oh, yeah. in the device. Right. So if a thief comes in, sees the camera, and takes the camera, you have lost the video. You've lost it. Have they yeah, added but, cloud support to that? Well, not exactly. Let's see. It says video clips recorded to a micro SD card can now be saved to your phone's camera reel. In SD playback view, tap on the download icon next to the clip you want to save. Ooh, that's new. That's exciting. Hmm. Now, this camera works really well. It's got uh, great low light, so it does an infrared view. It looks it looks really good, and it does uh, and the color and everything's great. It it went through this phase where it just stopped working for a while, and I oh. unplugged it and plugged it in, and it didn't get any better. And then I just ah, whatever, and I like it would only work at home or something. just really annoying. So a couple of weeks later, I unplugged it again and I took it upstairs because I was going to do a hard reset. When I plugged it back in. Oh, look, there's my cat. Um, anyway, when I plugged it back in, <laughs> I uh, it worked fine, and it's been working ever since. So I don't really know what's going on with it. It gets very, very hot, which I find interesting. You mentioned that, and I think other people have mentioned that as well. There there are some of these devices that just, they're doing a lot of, a lot of work inside. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have to take a look at that and see if, uh, if I can do that uh, download. That, that would be pretty cool, because that is something that we wanted. So, uh, okay, there's only one HomeKit compatible uh, uh, camera, and it doesn't look like it's compatible with anything else. Right. I don't see any any uh, uh, Lady A's or anything else to go with that. Nope, not yet. Not as All yet. All right. Smart locks. 
This is the last thing I'm ever going to put in my house, but go ahead. Try to convince us this is a good idea. Smart locks, I will say, as someone who's had one for soon to be three years, I mean, I've, I've had uh, two different um, two different smart locks. Um, once you get one of these, you do not want to go back to it. Really? So in fact, I, I wrote an entire piece uh, earlier this year when I transitioned from one smart lock to another, and I gave myself a month between them. And it was like life after after smart lock, and I was like, no, 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 I I really need to have this in my life. Um, so which one? Which one were you using full time? I was using the August smart lock full time. I got that shortly after it launched in uh, early 2015. And that's one and of the ones that I, I believe the August smart locks were vetted by somebody went through and vetted what were the ones that actually had good security, and that was definitely one of them. It was definitely one of them. All of them will say this um, in terms of they will all say that they use bank level security and encryption, which they all need to do um, in terms of the communication. Uh, they, they practically all of them uh, and actually all of them in this list all work over uh, Bluetooth um, to save power because they're all battery operated. And one caveat with smart locks is if your door, because they replace they replace and or sort of uh, sometimes they will replace the entire deadbolt mechanism. Sometimes they will just replace the inside portion of it. That's what the August uh, smart lock does. Oh, so you don't need to replace your whole mechanism then? That's that's correct. And then uh-huh. anyone on the, anyone looking at your door from the front wouldn't know that you have a smart oh, lock or not. That's so that can, cool. It's pretty. It's also very very good for renters for apartment people. It means you don't have to rekey the lock. Um, yeah. It can be very, very handy. So, but the one caveat with smart locks, they will not solve an already sticky door or a hard to turn <laughs> deadbolt. If you already have those problems, you need to solve them beforehand because four AA batteries <laughs> won't won't do it for you. I think we actually talked about that last time. So, what do you what do you like about the uh, August lock? What do, what does it do for you? That's just so amazing that it was life changing. Well, okay. It does. I mean, and this was my first smart lock. So the ability, of course, for it to automatically unlock as I approach the door, that's fantastic. If you've got stuff in your hands, you don't want to take, um, you know, your keys out of your pocket. It's I actually really, really hate taking my keys out now because my car opens automatically when I walk up to it. It's the same exact thing. So the same thing. I mean, I got a um, I had a uh, Toyota Prius for many, many years, um, you know, kind of last decade. And when the version came out that had the, you know, you walk up to it and you know, it unlocks for you, this is the same concept. Um, and the other thing, most of these smart locks, August included, uh, also have an optional feature to where you can set a timer delay after it has unlocked, you can have it relock for you. So it means that you you come home and it unlocks oh. for you, open the door, close it behind you. Don't worry about it. Don't lock it. It will auto lock for you. Um, and the same thing, of course, you know, leaving home many pretty much all the time now. I don't think I have really actually manually locked my door very often for the past like three years. Wow. So it's it's something that once you get used to that automation and once you, you know, once you feel like you can trust it in the early days of August, because it was basically the first one of this category that had such a wide adoption rate um, in the early days. The app wasn't that great. It was slow. Um, the automation didn't always work correctly. It didn't always relock. So they, they had to solve those problems and they largely have. So the companies that have come after that um Companies like Quickset and Yale and Schlage, who have all introduced HomeKit and and other smart locks that work with these home automation systems, um, 
they've been able to, I think, to look at all of the the pluses and minuses and the potential failures and challenges of the other companies um, that have launched these things. And they're all really good at this point because a smart lock has to do a couple of things reliably. Obviously, it needs to lock and unlock based on you coming and going. It needs to be really reliable. It can't be hacked, you know, and those um, type of things. And it for the for the smart locks that are actually physically completely replacing your lock, such as the Quickset Premise, the Schlage Sense, the new Yale Assure Lock, which is in the process of launching right now, um, the Deadbolt and all of its physical technologies need to be, you know, uh, really solid against people trying to pick your lock. But those companies generally have been in the business of making locks for such a long time that they're going to take their existing tech their existing physical tech and put it in oh, along okay. with all the all, along with all the electronic stuff i currently have um and it was supplied as a as a test unit from quickset um i do have the quickset premise uh it has a feature on the front of it it has a uh, touch screen and it has a randomizing function so that people can't guess the uh passcode because it asks you to enter a couple digits extra on top of whatever your password is i think that's it's a nice feature if you um oh, that's interesting if for some reason you you don't want the automatic um unlock you can just have a regular passcode it also gives you an easy ability um, to simply hand out your passcode or set up another one for uh, someone who needs to come to your home. The other part of these smart locks that is the benefit is... Oh, no, back up for a second. Something sure, like the ahead. August smart lock, it doesn't look like it has the keypad kind of thing, so it can only right. be done with your phone? Right. The August is um, the August smart lock and the, uh, where is it, the new Friday smart lock that is also... Um, I guess both of them are one is the day of the month or one is the day of the week. The other one is a, <laughs> named after a month. Uh, and both of them are. What if they did home. that on purpose? I don't know. They launched a couple of years apart from each other. But, I, you know, I think people are coming, are running out of uh, unique names for things. But anyways, um, so both of them just replace the indoor portion. Uh, basically, you take your thumb turn off, you take some screws out, you put on a special mounting plate and, you know, you fiddle with it for a few minutes and you're done. Um, mm-hmm. But both of them um, from the front, you, you You'd have no idea if you would have a smart lock or not. So they, um, like I said, they're great uh, options for people who rent because uh, you don't have to do a rekey. But um, part of the benefit, the other, the other side of the benefit of these smart locks is, again, if you have someone who regularly comes in and takes care of your home uh, cleaning or pet sitting or all of these things, all of the smart locks to various degrees, and because they're all made by different companies who have their different you know, kind of secret sauce for this, have ways of allowing guest access to your home, whether that's through something like a passcode or just sharing access to the lock for a day or a week or a one-time type thing. Uh, August specifically has a dedicated integration with Airbnb so that uh-huh. you can set up You can, for Airbnb um, people who rent out their places and have an August smart lock, you can integrate that directly in. For people who have, uh, say it's a vacation home or a dedicated home they always rent out and they're never there, the entire process can be automated. So as soon as someone rents your home, they're automatically set up with um, access through the August smart lock. Now, and that sure sounds really good, but they actually had a, a, a slight boo-boo that we uh, we did talk about on the podcast. See I if I so. get this right. They they pushed out a firmware update that went to the wrong model, and it literally bricked oh. those devices. Oh, 
And the only way to get it fixed was to remove it from your door and send it to them and they would send you another one. In other words, a wow. hole in your door while it was gone. And this happened while they were in the, right after they got the uh, the Airbnb deal going. And that was I mean, you know, people make mistakes in code. <laughs> it's just like, say we're all human. <laughs> yeah, it was like the 7D was what it was supposed to go to. And it went to the 6D. And, the, and so it was incompatible firmware. And so, you know, you want them to be doing these over the air updates, these security updates. But of course, it was that was really, really unfortunate. Hopefully they, they recover from that one. Well, I don't know if I'm ever going to talk Steve into that one. So let's move on to thermostats. Okay. I'm I'm the dumbest person in the world. I live in Southern California where we don't have a uh, whole house air conditioning and we turn the heater on for about 7 minutes in the in the uh, in the winter. So I bought an EcoBee thermostat. Okay. All the cool kids had them. <laughs> of course. Of course. And I live in Phoenix where right now in in lovely September where we should be getting ready for fall. It's about, you know, 150 degrees. And that's Kelvin, right? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that is that is a very useful thing. But now everybody always talks about the nest and Ecobee has has come on the uh, on the horizon there as one of the uh, good HomeKit compatible does not require a hub. That's Um, right. But what are these other brands? Tell me about it. It looks like iDevices is in the game. Some other iDevices companies. has one. Um, so these, uh, the other brands, uh, a couple of these are dealer only. Um, hmm. So this is specifically uh, Bryant Carrier Core. Um, these, those two um, specifically, don't quote me on it uh, because I'd have to go back to my notes. Those are really specifically that you can only get through dealers um, who come to your home and install like a whole new air conditioner and they'll bring you a new thermostat um, kind of as well. And this is just also the the companies wanting to have, you know, a footprint uh, in there in terms of our compatibility with HomeKit to say, hey, we're we're compatible as well because no one wants to be left out of the game. A couple brands that may be unfamiliar to North American um, listeners and viewers are companies like Tato. I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but those thermostats and their radiator controllers are largely for the EU and the UK market. It's it's a different. Um, mm. They have different units over there. They have um, a lot of. Uh, they have a lot of. Um, what am I saying? Uh, radiators out there that uh, use a rotating control to control uh, the steam or the heat output, and so they actually also have some dedicated um, devices that kind of sit uh, onto those valves, and they'll actually turn them for you. So. Um, like I said, I wanted the list to be really international and not just focus on the U.S. So you do see a, a kind of in this particular category a pretty wide variety but yeah. of these devices. But even like uh, there were some brands that I didn't know of. There's a company, uh, there's a brand called Sensi uh, or Sensi, and it, it is available here in the U.S., iDevices does make one. It's kind of more of a plain-looking uh, thermostat. There's Honeywell, of course, their Lyric uh, line. And they have a, a, a kind of a wide variety of them, uh, T5, T6, T6 Pro. Um, and they're just different varieties of uh, their square thermostats. They have a round one. I, could, <laughs> I mean, you could, we could go on and on. And obviously, obviously the, the Ecobee, um, which comes with uh, the Ecobee 3 and the Ecobee 4, both come with a remote sensor that senses humidity, temperature, and presence. And 
they try to balance out the system. It, it can't obviously, it's not going to redirect airflow to a certain room where that sensor might be, but it tries to get a better sense of what's going on in the home, who might be where in terms of the presence detection and what the uh, home's footprint looks like in terms of the actual temperature and humidity elsewhere. Because and, otherwise, and that, is, that is why I bought that one was I really mm-hmm. um, when we do turn the heater on, which it does happen more than seven minutes, but sure. um, it, 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 he rises and our thermostat is upstairs. So we right. have it set to what would be a reasonable number, but I'm downstairs freezing to death. And, uh, right. you know, because it's like 70 and uh, so I, I, I need to know if I need to put a fire on, you know, but uh, but I'll be sitting down there and I want it to know what temperature it is down there. That's that really matters to me. And now, even though I don't have the uh, whole house air conditioner, I can look at what the temperature is in my room and feel more justified that, uh, hey, I am going to turn on the air conditioner because I can see that the humidity is high. Uh, actually, it doesn't do humidity, which makes me crazy. I wanted it to know oh. that. But it does do temperature in the different rooms. So we've got it in uh we got we got an extra pair. So we have three of those plus the original unit. So we can tell you what the temperature is in four different places. Excellent. And have you noticed that it, it does the additional sensors do make a difference in how the system is actually performing uh in terms of the <laughs> Well no, because we don't have anything for it to run. But oh. But Stephen gets uh, has uh, he bought one at the same time I did, so it's been it's been really fun comparing uh, notes with him because he actually has air conditioning and heating, and okay. so he's gone through and looked and shown me graphs of the things that he's done that are sensing like when his wife was working from home, he could it could see that she leaves at a certain time of day, and and it is really it has helped me out. Um, and I did apply by the way with the thermostats, you can get rebates depending on your your comp uh, your uh, yes, uh, yes, electric yes. company so i have been told that i'm actually going to get a rebate on it which is fun i don't remember how much it was but it was it was significant it was definitely worth doing the paperwork that was excellent there's a i just shared an article a couple of days ago um it was somewhere in i believe i think ontario canada um this local uh local municipality made they wanted to get thermos, uh, smart thermostats to many people, and they did like a big rebate, or I think they were just offering them for free. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, so you know, the thermostat category is also popular, not just because it's like it's a new it's a new thing on your wall, but it's something something that can be easily paid for. Um, there there have been studies that these smart thermostats, even if you just let them automate the home versus away mode. You can easily save ten to twelve percent on your energy bill, depending on you know again depending on kind of where you are in the country and your climate, uh, and so that can pay for one of these in a year or two. So it's not yeah. something that's just you know sleek and sexy. You know, <laughs> yeah, we used to have ours on a on a timer that we knew when we went to work and when we got home, but now we're just slightly more random than that. You know, you don't know where we are. I'm just laughing also because my. Um, the the uh, little sensors that go with the Ecobee not only tell you what the temperature is in that room, it tells you whether there's motion. And so it's detecting you just like we were talking about. And mm. I'm looking at it and it's telling me there's nobody in my master bedroom, which is where I'm sitting right now. And I realized <laughs> right. I have it sitting so that it can't see me if I'm at my desk. So that's oh, a, I might that's need to re- not, redesign you that. might have to change that. And the uh, speaking specifically with the Ecobee, they just introduced um, their new version of the Ecobee 4, which is largely the same. But um, for people who like the uh, Lady A ecosystem, they now actually have um, 
what's her name built directly into the device so that you can talk to her and there's a speaker and a microphone on board uh two of um uh a, some good friends of mine actually just got two of those and i'm going to be heading over to their place hopefully in the next couple of weeks to do a kind of an on location review of oh, the cool. uh, of the ecobee so well, look for that neat. yeah um, they came out with that uh i think it was hours after uh Stephen and i bought our ecobee threes but uh, that's okay all right. Well, we are getting down near the end. Let's uh, let's okay. keep going here. So we sure. got thermostats, ceiling fans. Now that sounds kind of fun. So if you hook that together with that, would be a case of where I could have a smart ceiling ceiling fan that could trigger when it gets hot in my room. Exactly. In fact, that's I have kind of a because my home is made up of a wide variety of technologies and things. But <laughs> that's essentially the use case I have for my kind of retrofitted ceiling fan. Um, Right now, for the HomeKit world, really um, to to get uh, automation in your ceiling fan, largely um, for you know different motor speeds and so forth, largely you basically have to replace the fan at this point. Um, there isn't a retrofit kit. Ah. Um, but Hunter, uh, the company that's been around for over a century, has these three. Uh, Apache, Signal, and Symphony, and they call them their Simple Connect ceiling fans, but basically they have HomeKit built in. They are for um, the 120-volt uh, market or 120-volt systems. They also do work with Lady A, and um, they, they're different styles, and they all come with a um, an LED-based uh, kind of light kit or a canopy, and you could set this up easily with um, a HomeKit automation to say, yeah, if the if the temperature is in a certain range, set it to medium. If it's in a um, a certain uh, another range, set it to low. And if it's you know certain bands or certain temperature ranges, or if it's above a certain temperature or a below a certain temperature, just turn it on uh, to high or turn it off entirely. It's also one of those things um, most people don't understand that ceiling fans, while they do help keep you cool, they don't actually cool your home. So. It's best if you can, even though they don't take a lot of energy to run, to turn them off when you leave. So that's it's another part of my leave versus um, arrive automation to where oh, if I'm okay. if I'm away, the ceiling fan, every possible thing that doesn't need to run or doesn't need power is turned off. One of um, my biggest pet peeves when I was working was people who would leave a fan on in the room when they're not there. Like, right. no, it doesn't do anything. Convection cooling only works if you're there to receive <laughs> if you're it. You're there to, to cool you down. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't do anything. I mean, unless you're trying to cool your your office plant down or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep keep the plants cool. And the drawback at this point, these fans unfortunately are expensive. These are a couple hundred dollars. Um, oh, but ceiling fans, a nice ceiling fan's expensive anyway. Yeah, they're expensive anyway. If if you're on a budget and you want some kind of, uh, if you want an on-off control for a ceiling fan that you already have, the best way would be, and if it's on a switch, you could replace that switch with a smart switch. You wouldn't gain the ability to have motor speed control, but you would gain the power control. So you could say if you're happy with it on medium when it's on, you could leave it set to medium, replace the switch with a smart switch, and automate that. That's another option. Ah, okay. That's a way to go. Hey, I've just sent Steve uh, something on the uh, uh, the thing about the August door lock that you posted, and uh, he asked a good question. What if you lose power so you don't have Wi-Fi in your house? Uh, not a problem because the all of the smart locks generally use Bluetooth for connectivity. You wouldn't be able to say check it remotely, but you would have um, you would have local control from your phone, and. 
um, there's no issue in terms of they're all all of the smart locks work no matter what in terms of even if the smart lock itself loses power, you still have your key that you can use. You still have the thumb turn that's being turned by the smart lock, and there's always um, some way to open or close it. They've they've thought these things through, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, okay, and th- so it does have an outdoor key. Yes, you you don't lose you. Um, so so any, if on I, any smart lock, you don't lose it. So if I had it set up uh, that my housekeeper could get in and out, she could get in and out, but I couldn't say revoke her access to it. Until I had power back, yeah, that, that from remotely, sort of yeah, yeah. It's you know, okay. it, it all depends on like this versus that. Yeah, all these sure. little connections. Yeah, but. sure. Those ceiling fans look pretty good too. That it reminds me of we were in a hotel down in San Diego and we were in this bar and it was really hot in the bar and they had ceiling fans up above that were set up on a on a uh, a belt system, an old leather belt that went oh, all I've around. Seen the that. Those are really cool. It was, except all the fan blades were upside down. Oh. So it was just that could, that could doing, be a problem. yeah, it was no good. Okay. Yeah, well, that's cool. Those are, those are pretty nifty. I like the ceiling fan they're, idea. They're, they're beautiful. I, I really like their, um, uh, their symphony. It's all white and it's kind of futuristic looking. It's yeah. Pretty cool. Okay. So we're, we're getting close to the end here. Uh, yep. we've got fire and smoke detectors. This is kind of, this is, these are pretty much everything that you would think they are. Um, they're just going to enable home kit functionality, um, there are other, you know, fire and smoke detectors that work with other home automation systems or that are smart. Generally, what they're going to do is they're going to give you, obviously, the audible alert and the audible alarm that you would expect if something, if you have a fire or smoke or carbon monoxide in your home, but they will obviously also alert you remotely. So that's um, that can be life-saving. It can be um saving you know in terms of getting uh getting even just a neighbor to take a look at what's going on or getting emergency services out to your home if you're not there um that's really really important and really really helpful um first alert is pretty much dominating this at this point uh they have a couple of products the traditional um smoke detector that you would have like on a wall or a ceiling and uh, they also have a tabletop uh dedicated carbon monoxide detector that also detects things like humidity and and temperature and whatnot and it has a little led light ring that kind of shows you the status of what's going on so a couple of different items uh it's a, not a huge category at this point and i would assume yeah. we're going to see some more products as time goes on now the uh nest protect smoke alarm uh does yes. do carbon monoxide but that is not home kit compatible correct we still haven't seen any announcement and I don't know whether it's just the Google versus Apple war that we we may or may not see any Nest or Google products compatible with HomeKit. Although, you know, based on what Apple announced earlier this year or earlier this summer at WWDC, there's no physical reason anymore. But yeah, yeah. we shall see what happens. Yeah, uh, it, Nest seems to be sleeping on the job lately. They 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 were such front runners, and I don't think they've done anything terribly interesting lately. They did introduce a new version of their ther- their classic thermostat now that's um, about half of the price. It's called the Nest Thermostat E. It has a different display. It's kind of more plasticky than, than beautiful metal um, mm. and has a little bit different display technology. Otherwise, it really has the same tech inside it. Um, and I think it's only 160 or 170. Um, they announced that, I think, just last week. So they, I, I also expect a lot of great things from Nest and uh, – that really wasn't it, but you know, at least they, at least they did something. <laughs> they did something. 
Okay, uh, let's see. Where are we? We are down to uh, temperature, sensors. air quality, water leak, and more sensors. That's that's an interesting category. Water leaks are a big deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, for, for people who have vacation homes or homes that are in colder climates that freeze and you have to worry about pipes freezing, if you got a notification that there was uh, pipes burst after freezing, uh, that once they warmed up, and you got that alert uh, again. You could send a neighbor over. You could send someone over to to that location and get that turned off before it caused a flood. And there have been use cases, and people have told stories about this. You know, would have uh, either would have saved me or did save me a tremendous amount of money. I consider sensors part of the magic of home automation. Obviously, there are you know people are thinking these days about geolocation. If I come home, turn the lights on automatically, things like that. Um, scheduling, we know, you know, turn things on at sunset, you know, turn them off at um, sunrise. But sensors give you the additional um, notifications. Sensors consist of things for, say, your door and window sensors so that you know if a door or a window is being opened, you know, at the wrong time. And you could take action based on if a door or a window is opened and you're not there, like if no one's there, you should take a certain action um, or yeah. you know, get a customized alert. Um, Elgato has a wide variety of sensors for things even like weather sensing. Not, not that they're going to tell you if it's going to rain or not, but it will. it's a little weather sensor that uh, goes outside, tells you humidity, temperature, and barometric pressure. <laughs> I can tell you that I've had this, uh, and thanks to them for sending me a few of their products uh, last year for testing. I've had this little weather sensor sitting in a tree outside for the past <laughs> year and a half. It's survived the two Phoenix summers, so oh, it's wow. pretty pretty well built. Um, and that's just what I used to uh, check the uh, the weather, uh, the temperature, the other a uh, few minutes ago. But these can be good, you know, sensing temperature and so forth can be nice if you just want that actual temperature outside, not the one that's perhaps red at the airport. They make a room uh, indoor temperature, humidity, and air quality sensor that can be helpful if you have pets, if you have elderly people at home, if you have anyone who is um, potentially allergic or susceptible, who, who shouldn't be in an area or a home that has poor air quality. Um, so that's pretty interesting. They have a motion sensor. They have the door and window sensor. They do have a, a flood sensor, they call it. Uh, actually, not Elgato, but another company, Fibaro, has a water leak detector. They call it a flood sensor. Well, and wait, again, let's talk about, about Fibero sure. for a moment, though. Um, sure. Elgato makes beautiful, they're all little white devices. The only problem I yes. have with their devices is you can't tell which one's which. But yeah. Fibero's, or it's Fibero, I think. Fibero's sensor, one of them here, looks like a giant eyeball. Let's talk about <laughs> is. that. Is that the motion it's a sensor? Little, it's a, it is a motion sensor. <laughs> they say it's designed as... Um, the uh, as a as a cat's eye. I know Leo uh, from Twit described it as the eye of Sauron. Um, <laughs> Actually, it reminds me of one of um, oh the guy in Monsters Inc. The guy that's got one big oh, eyeball. Yes, it looks yes, more yes, like yes, his yes, eyeball yes, to yes, me. Yes. Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, Mike Wazowski. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, great movie. Um, it and it lights up in different colors. So when there's a problem, mm. it lights up in red. And I think that might be a little bit freaky. But uh, it's a tiny little device. Uh, it's a very very small device. It's about an inch, inch and a half in diameter, and it's magnetic. It has a kind of a magnetic base, so you can aim it wherever you want uh, and place it uh, easily on a wall and so, so forth. What does it sense? 
It senses, I mean, it's cool looking. Um, I'm going to buy it just for how awesome it looks. But <laughs> of course, you know, it senses motion. It senses temperature. It has an ambient light sensor, so it can actually help with automation for lighting scenes. For okay, so it it wouldn't do anything on its own other than give you information on which you'd correct. build rules. Correct. That okay. is exactly right. The sensors won't really won't do much for you. I see. Um, but uh, they're very helpful. And for things, you know, you could have just a door and window sensor and you could get alerts automatically uh, based on whether your door was open or closed. Um, the motion sensor also has tamper detection. So if it senses that someone's trying to move it, it would uh, alert you. If someone's, it'll, again, if no someone dusting. broke in it. No, yeah. Or if someone broke in and, you know, then it was trying to steal it, I guess um, you could find uh, you could find out that information, too. So I'm surprised so, I don't see these having IFTTT um, implementations and that I would have expected these would be the classic thing for that. Right. The challenge with the sensors, uh, a lot of the sensors, um, specifically with HomeKit, they're all Bluetooth. Um, aside from one of them, which is actually two of them, which is the iHome uh, five-in-one smart monitor and the Kytera Laser Egg. <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> name for it. But um, those you can actually plug in. Uh, in addition to having them run, um, I think the Kytera, you can actually have it run on battery. But the rest of them are Bluetooth. And so the challenge with Bluetooth is Bluetooth has to have a thing that it talks to, yeah, right. then talk to the internet, which then could potentially talk to IFTTT. But then we kind of get into compatibility issues and yeah. weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's an okay. issue that the industry is working on in general. We're seeing that with Bluetooth Mesh. We're seeing that with Bluetooth 5. Um, I would say that we're going to see uh, new ways of connecting all these things to other systems within the next 12 months, probably. But right now... For HomeKit, they're all Bluetooth-based. So, so if you want will... something small to play with, these are these are probably in the, the the least expensive of all the things we've been talking about. Looks like, right? And they will if you these specifically if you do want to get information from them from outside your home, which would obviously be a, a perfect use case. You do have to have an iPad plugged into power, an Apple TV fourth or newer generation, or the upcoming HomePod um, when you're outside your home. Okay. Okay. But some of these uh, door sensors and things, they're not, well, I don't know. That's one door sensor for 60 bucks from, uh, which one is this? The Fibero. Mm. $60 for one window. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Some of these yeah. could be priced a little bit lower. <laughs> That's a good way <laughs> to, to put sure. it. All yeah. right. We've got one last category. Uh, oh, is, is smart buttons. Smart buttons. And there's some additions coming to this uh, that were just announced at uh, IFA last week. So mm. I'll mention that here in a second. But right now, we've got uh, the Logitech Pop button. This is a, an existing product that they kind of re-engineered to also have another hub. So another hub for your stack of Yay. hubs, uh, Allison. Um, <laughs> and this is just a big button that will do different things if you press it or long press it and uh, let you control HomeKit scenes and uh, scenes from uh, Harmony Hub scenes, which is uh, Logitech's home automation system, which is another hub. It's not HomeKit compatible yet, but this button wait thing a minute, is. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a $60 <laughs> Sorry, button I that I plug into the button. wall so that I can use smart stuff when it's HomeKit compatible, which means I can talk to Siri to tell it to do things. Right. But again, as I as I as I kind of preach on my show, there are times that voice control doesn't make sense. Right. You maybe 
you're sitting on the couch and you need to have something done and you your phone isn't around you don't want to get up but off it's the couch it's just one button and so it only know. does one thing but isn't that a great bargain isn't that like 60 dollars for one button i mean isn't that just like amazing so it's like the amazon dash buttons right <laughs> that you, you right. press it and it, it orders detergent orders. or something <laughs> or uh, maybe maybe that would be the ultimate thing you could set up your amazon dash button to order a smart button Okay, there you go. There you go. Well, that's the silliest that's, one you've got there. Yeah. So, um, I've been chatting with Steve in the back channel here about the August Smart Lock because it does look pretty interesting. Can you use something like that and not have it connected to the internet? Can Absolutely. you have? Can you have it talk to your your, to your phone. phone and stuff, but not right. be on the internet? You could have it completely not be on the internet. Um, that would probably be harder to avoid with HomeKit because with HomeKit, if you do have a an Apple TV or an iPad or, or something that's going to act as a HomeKit hub, it will automatically make those connections for you. Okay. So, and I mean, if you're using your phone, you are essentially have to be talking to the internet, right? Well, I mean... The exact, uh, the exact way that it decides what to do, um, it, it should be, uh, if you're using, say, the August Smart Lock and your iPhone and you're nearby, it should be communicating via Bluetooth. As soon as it goes out of range, it's going to use the Apple TV as a, as a bridge device to get signals between the August and your phone. Okay, okay. So pretty much you could use the key to turn it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be much, in, it wouldn't be much use without it being on the internet. Well, I, yes, yes and no. It's still useful. Like, I mean, the original August that came out, the original version that came out in late, uh, 2014, uh, that I got didn't have any connectivity at all. There was, it was before they even had a little bridge device to just get, um, remote capability for August itself. Uh, and this was before they had HomeKit compatibility. So the only way that you could use it, you couldn't check it from remote in terms of whether your door is locked or not or or remotely locking it or not. But you could still have the ability to auto-unlock when you got home. You could still have it relock automatically. You could still manually unlock and lock the door if you if it was too much trouble to get up from the couch and let someone in. All of that functionality locally was still available, and it was still a compelling product. Then you add the remote um, functionality to it, and it gets even better. But you could still go by, if you don't want to even be in the HomeKit world, you could go by the August Smart Lock and nothing else and still have a really great product. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. All right. Well, you know what? We have gone on for an hour and a half, so doggone oh it, it looks goodness. like we won't have time to talk about how you stopped using your Apple Watch. I'm really, really sorry uh, about that, Joe. We're we're just out of time. So, Can I mention one last quick thing, and yes. it's uh, specifically with smart buttons? Yeah. So Philips, Philips made an announcement at IFA, the big IFA um, tech show in uh, Europe last week, that they're going to be bringing HomeKit compatibility to existing products. So the Ooh. Philips Hue motion sensor the Philips Hue Tap, which is a multi-button device that doesn't even require batteries, and the Philips Hue wireless dimmer switch traditionally have only worked with Philips Hue products, uh, and everyone has complained about this, and they are adding HomeKit compatibility sometime in October, and those existing products will be able to control HomeKit devices and scenes, and that is fantastic. So does that mean they had the, the required chip in them? 
It wasn't the devices themselves because they're they're still going to communicate first to the Philips Hue hub. It means that they've worked with Apple to um, to allow you to configure these it, these Philips Hue products to work with any type of HomeKit uh, scene that could contain non Philips Hue products as well. So it's not that the it's not that the actual um, accessories like the motion sensor or the actual um, the dimmer switch or the tap has the chip in it. They're they're being bridged by the Philips Hue bridge, which does have the Philips uh, I'm sorry the HomeKit chipset, and that is um, they're leveraging all of this existing tech in new ways. That's the easiest way to say it. Hmm. So people who already own those products, you're going to get a bonus um, in October and, uh, and I'll be covering it and demoing it. And that's, it's a pretty awesome announcement that a lot of people were, were waiting for. So congratulations to Philips. It's part of their big announcement for their fifth anniversary. And they've got some entertainment options that are going to work with Philips Hue lights at the end of the year. It's some pretty cool stuff. That is cool. Well, that's exciting. All right. So uh, we're going to cut out of here, but you had, uh, what, what else is it you're working on looking forward into the future? You had something else you wanted to tell us about. Uh, I, uh, what I was specifically working on, um, let's see, well, a couple things of, uh, this new the, job thing that you have. Oh, this new other thing. So yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mention the name because it hasn't officially launched Jeez. yet. I was, uh, <laughs> but it will, if you check smart home life's uh, social media, I'll be announcing it. Um, I actually have been doing some consulting for a, a company that is about to launch a new type of smart home hub. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, since I'm working for them and doing marketing, I'm not going to just blab about it, but it's it's a pretty cool device. It should launch um, on crowdfunding uh, within the next couple of days. So again, check Smart Home Life and you'll probably see it in other tech media. So um, I was happy that all of my time and effort in building the Smarter Home Life brand and offering all this advice has now been picked up by companies who say, hey, we want to pick your brain about our product. So very happy to be doing that. And it's another, yeah. a new yeah. new facet. Now, Joe is one of the most ethical people I know, and and uh, before he proceeded to take on this this job working for these people, he asked uh, his friends on on Facebook, you know, is this okay to do? And I think the consensus was, go for it. You can make some money. That's a good idea as long as you're super clear. This is something I'm paid to say. The rest of this is stuff I just do. You know that that it's you know can, an unbiased opinion on the other devices, right? Exactly. And which is a similar thing that I whenever a company sends me anything uh, to test, I always kind of have to disclose that as well. So. All right. Very cool. All right. So uh, if people want to uh, find this HomeKit compatible page, it is at SmarterHomeLife.com. There's a banner right up near the top. And if they want to follow you on that social media you keep talking about, how would they do that? Uh, I am on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as at SmarterHomeLife. And also on the, the YouTube, which is where it all started, uh, youtube.com slash smarterhomelife. Very good. All right, Joe, always a, always a pleasure. And uh, in next time I will be, uh, I'll just talk to you on Lady A. That's where we like to talk to each other, right? <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me back on. Uh, it's been awesome as always, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. 
Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.